Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Cheyenne. We are a welcoming community that invites you to listen to our podcast or join us in person in Cheyenne, Wyoming on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website at uucheyenne.org. This morning's reading is from a series on NPR of auditory essays called This I Believe. This is an excerpt from one by Bob Barrett, who's a professor emeritus at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. He writes, I believe in integrity. It's a belief that's tested in those gut-wrenching moments when conflicting values pull me in opposite directions. Back in the early 1980s, I was training in a session about mental health workers who were volunteering to provide counseling to cancer patients who had a terminal diagnosis. Each of us was given 16 index cards and asked to write the names of people, abilities, things, and values we hold dear. In the course of our imagined cancer, we had to surrender cards or have them abruptly taken from us. At the end, I had two cards. One read, integrity, and the other read, my family. How could I choose between those two? Such a choice was unfair and impossible. My initial thought was that I would give up my integrity because I loved my daughters and would want their comfort at my death. But then I would realize that dying without integrity might be worse. I drifted back and forth, not wanting to choose. In the end, I uneasily kept the integrity card because I reasoned that if I lost my family, integrity would still be possible. If I lost my integrity, my life would be without value. Every presidential election cycle around this time, ministers of all denominations, but in my experience, especially Unitarian Universalist ministers, have a lot of conversations about something called the Johnson Amendment. It's a piece of the U.S. tax code. I see Joey smiling at the back. You're like, <laughs> you, never, you never know what to expect, and sometimes we're going to talk about the tax code in church. <laughs> because this amendment governs the activities of 501c3 nonprofit organizations, including churches like ours. It contains a provision that such organizations should not, quote, participate in or intervene in, including the publishing or distributing of statements, any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office, close quote. Violating it would risk the 501c3 status of that organization. But, as of course, lots of churches, especially within this Uh, particular piece of the tax code, lots of churches do not follow the provisions of the amendment. Many of you are well aware of particularly evangelical Christian congregations that gleefully invite political candidates to stump from their pulpits every election season. And so I've wondered, 
many times, in fact, over the past few years, the past three and a half to four especially, am I a sucker for abiding by the provisions of the Johnson Amendment? (laughs) Truly, truly, more theologically conservative pastors and congregations and some liberal ones too flagrantly invite these politicians and candidates into their pulpits and they make no attempts to hide that they're endorsing a candidate as an organization. So I wonder, am I a sucker? (laughs) And I would like to think, I think like many of us, I'd like to think that I am not a sucker. Rather, I'd like to think that I have integrity. Because I'm committed to the idea that churches, while certainly not apolitical, should be nonpartisan. And that means abiding by those provisions, even as other preachers and politicians violate them gleefully and publicly. But there's a cost there, isn't isn't there? We could be using our collective voice and power to endorse candidates whose platforms align with our values, which is precisely what those other churches are doing. And as flouting the Johnson Amendment becomes more and more commonplace, I wonder if we risk seeming out of touch, right? Like we refuse to engage with the world as it is, clinging to something that everyone else has abandoned. It's in places like that that I wonder about where integrity ends and stubbornness begins. Or maybe more importantly, where integrity has to interface with the real world. Right, where it's not just a theoretical position, because like, oh boy, integrity is really easy to have in theory. It's really easy to hold a, a, a theoretical position that is very filled with integrity. But when it becomes a thing that has to be practiced out in the world, a world filled with people and practices that seem to make the truth complicated rather than clear... Like Luanna said earlier, we often think about integrity as sort of this big thing, right? It has like a capital I, and it's about big decisions and big choices. But integrity is present in every day, every interaction, every choice. Each of them is an opportunity to live in accordance with our values, to have our choices align with that internal compass, I wonder how many of you have texted someone bad news instead of telling it to their face. Don't lie to me. (laughs) Or emailed, written it in a letter instead of a phone call. Right? Just because we have more ways to avoid human interaction face-to-face now doesn't mean that you haven't been avoiding it for a long, long time. This, we think of it, right, it's most often portrayed in popular culture these days about, right, breaking up with somebody via text. (gasps) Listicles and think pieces scatter the internet about, is it ever okay to break up with somebody by text? In fact, there's a whole popular rap song called Truth Hurts about the experience of being broken up with by text. And saying, I wish you had said it straight to my face. 
But also, the truth hurts, I needed something more exciting. These everyday choices, right? These everyday things about, can I say this to someone person to person? Can I be proud of what I'm about to say, or at least can I take ownership over what I'm about to say, even if I'm not necessarily proud of it? It's true, though, that some of us have our everyday choices made very, very public, right? I think about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Prince Harry and uh, his wife, Meghan Markle, and their son, Archie, right, who have decided to, like, right, scandal across Britain, who have decided to leave their official roles as senior members of the royal family in favor of becoming financially independent and splitting their time between North America and the United Kingdom. And they announced it on Instagram, Queen Elizabeth is scandalized. They announced it on Instagram rather than through the official channels of the royal family after admittedly months and months of being harassed by racist coverage in the British tabloids. Is their choice a betrayal of family and duty? Is it a brave choice of personal integrity? I bring my deeply United States bias to this one and cannot help but celebrate their flight. (laughs) It's amazing how much we can take it back to the American Revolution when we want to. (laughs) But when I try to put myself in the other people's position, I see a little bit what it would feel like to have your child or your grandchild or your sibling say to you, the life you value so dearly is toxic to me and my family. I love you, but we have to go. It's less immediately clear whose truth is more important and more valuable. And I think when framed that way, many of you might recognize this conflict between your family and your integrity from your own lives. The things you value so dearly are toxic to me. I love you. And I have to go. And we're asked to do this kind of complex decision-making and evaluation all the time. Whose version of the truth is more true? Whose choices represent integrity? And whose choices represent selfishness or self-interest? In scenarios as small and local as someone who's broken up with their significant other and as large and global as whether the U.S. was justified in our drone strike on Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Whose truth is more true? Whose choices represent integrity? And whose represent self-interest? It's not immediately clear much of the time. And I wonder, I think like many of you, what does integrity look like in those moments, those unclear times, when the truth as a set of cold, hard facts is elusive, if not impossible to know? In those moments when the truth, lowercase t, is unclear, I think, that the truth, capital T, B 
becomes more important than ever. Right? When the facts are unclear, and I don't know which, politic- which politicians or which news sources or which friends or which family members to trust, it is more important than ever to return to those big truths, those capital T truths that ground my life. And we're Unitarian Universalists, so we have some core values, but some of those capital T truths for each of us is a little different, right? They look a little different, and we phrase them a little differently. The way that I phrase our Unitarian Universalist values when I need to have them in a short mantra-like form is these two things. These are my two capital T truths. All of us need all of us to survive. All of us need all of us. And the second is that I am whole and beloved just as I am. And I could use a little work. And so I wonder... What are those capital T truths that ground your life? This past week, right, as we've had to wonder again and again who and what to trust, where can you return? To what truth can you hold fast? What are the truths that ground your life? I think about the story of Bob Barrett, right, and his decision between, even in that clinical workshoppy setting, between my family and my integrity. In the 80s, as he continued to work with cancer patients for a few years, eventually he took that same grief and end-of-life support skill set and began working with patients living with HIV-AIDS and supporting them and their caregivers and their friends. He concludes his story this way. As I worked with these gay men, I began to be aware that my life was sort of a lie. When I met their caretakers and friends, I realized I had more in common with them than my straight male friends. For a while, I tried to silence this growing awareness, reminding myself that I loved my wife and children and that they deserved a father and a husband who was respected in the community. If I began to identify as gay and claim my integrity, surely I deserved to lose my family and possibly my job and all of my friends. As it turned out, integrity was the painful choice I made. Few of us want to hurt the people we love. For me, telling my wife and later my daughters that I am gay was the hardest thing I have ever had to do. At age 48, I did not know how to be gay, never mind how to find men to date. So I was alone a lot. And in those early days, my choice haunted me. Many times I wanted to abandon my integrity and go back to being the person that my family wanted me to be. 
but returning seemed useless, for if I left my integrity at the door, I would not have much left to offer. Today, at age 67, I live totally out as a gay man. To my surprise, being gay has turned out to be an opportunity for me to help other LGBTQ people and their families. For a while, I feared I had lost my family. I think they felt betrayed and ashamed of me, but today we have found ways to live our love, each of us true to our own integrity. <sighs> Returning seemed useless, for if I left my integrity at the door, I would not have much to offer. Testimonies like this one, and like the risk taken by the boy Abdul in the story this morning, remind us that integrity is not cheap. It's not free. It's not without costs in our relationships and our families and our world and our lives. Integrity requires us to acknowledge that while there's Lots of versions of that lowercase t truth out there. Lots of facts and ways to interpret them. But there are also capital T truths. Things about who we are and how we wish to live in the world that demand much of us. And that allow us to become more than we imagined we could, that allow our lives to speak as examples of what is possible when we live our integrity fully. Lives like the people, like Bob, who came out later in life and have found the way forward in spite of great risk and loss. People like Abdul in the story who believe that their promises and their integrity are more important than 40 gold coins. People who will speak truths in difficult times. People who will say unpopular things, not just because they are unpopular, but because they know them to be the truth. Now, more than ever, may we together with all of those jagged mosaic pieces, find our way to know that there is truth and it demands much of us and we need each other to find it. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Cheyenne. To learn more about us, check out our website at uucheyenne.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash uucheyenne. Thanks for listening. <laughs>